Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. The first February edition of Hockey Central at noon here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan underway. Peter Klein with you guys today on this a Calgary Flames game day. Five o'clock warm up, six o'clock puck drop here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan as it is the Flames taking on the Winnipeg Jets. Plenty of time for your texts at 960-960. Plenty to talk about today uh, with uh, Dylan Dubé checking back into the lineup and checking Kuk and Yemi. Uh, we also have some Sam Bennett stuff to discuss and the game on Saturday. We'll be doing that with Ryan Pike coming up at 12.30. But first, let's chat with Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Oh, yeah, when your goalie plays like that, you're not going to lose ever. So uh, it was a great, great moment for him to step in. Obviously, we've been on a little bit of a slide, but I thought uh, the guys were the guys were blocking shots today. We were we were invested emotionally, and, uh, you know, he was our, our backbone there. So it was, it was a great team win, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take those goaltending performances uh, whenever we can get them. Mr. Labardius, a pretty good summary of the game there from the Flames captain, as they were pretty good in front of him, but when they weren't, that dude back there was really good. Another great outing for Jacob Markstrom on Saturday. Well, Peter, we talked ourselves, Pat and I and Derek talked about, you know, last week, their decision, and wasn't it nice to have a trump card in your hand to play in Jacob Markstrom in a very important game coming out of a, you know, for lack of a better word, miserable loss two days earlier to the Montreal Canadiens. This player has become a massive piece of this team. This team has three wins. He has two shutouts already this season. And did I like the response of the group? Absolutely. Was, was he the star? No question about it. And first period, lot to like. Built a one nothing lead, used their great weapon, the power play, which they now have goals on the power play in all the games. But Jacob Markstrom, in the second period, Peter, when that game really could have turned and Montreal pushed and things got a little away from the Flames during that stretch in particular, who was the guy that shut the door in every way, shape, or form? it was him and he so far and it's early and we're going into, you know, game number eight tonight, but could you really ask anything more than what he has provided this group so far in so many different ways? You really can't. And it's what you said there. It's not just like, Oh, he stole that one. Like this isn't a 50 save shutout against the Blackhawks that you had no right in winning a few years ago. This is Things are going well. You know the other team's going to push back, and he is there to to kind of keep it steady. Like that that is that's the level of having that number one goalie that I, I didn't necessarily um, anticipate. I guess like a goalie of this magnitude. Because all due respect to the other goalies that have been here the last little bit, Markstrom kind of just is that step above. And when I think of that number one goalie, it's the goes out, steals the game, forty five saves, flopping around, making spectacular saves. But just that ability to just steady the waters when there is that dip in a game where the other team is allowed to push back and not let that get away from you. That has to be so reassuring on that Flames bench. 
It does, but you know what else it has to get to? Is he can't be the focal point of why your team wins when it wins either, if that makes right. sense. Yep. So totally. the answer the answer is yes, it is great to have this foundation settle everybody in peace, but as we talked about Peter last week, you know, he has to be a part of it. He can't be breakfast, lunch and dinner and where you where you hang your whole game on. And mm-hmm. so this is this is a great player to have. But overall in the game, you know, very different than Thursday because Thursday against Montreal was well, we're going to get two on you and really we're we don't think you're going to threaten us much. So they only had 21 shots talking about Montreal and they were quite happy to play smothering hockey. Well, they were taken out of that comfort zone a little bit um, and did push and did push hard and made life miserable for the flames. So I, I think that's a great piece to have. Now it's about, you know, you just, it's great to have a guy who could be your best player all the time or one of don't, don't play that. You know, we talk about playing your cards. Don't, don't get to the point where that's, that's the true ace and, and not your only ace, but you know where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. You want to have it, but you don't want to need it. You know, like the, it's nice to have yeah, that but once, it is. once you need it. Um, so to come out of, yes, uh, to come out of the weekend, not only was the on the ice stuff discussed, uh, there's a touch of off ice news as well as, uh, reports have come out from, um, from Elliot Friedman on headlines that Sam Bennett is looking for uh, a trade out of Calgary. Uh, sounds like, uh, the flames are, are saying the right stuff, but, uh, an interesting circumstance to, to say the least, Lou. Change of scenery, I believe, was the words that Elliot used that came mm-hmm. directly from his agent, Darren Ferris. So, a couple things to begin with. This is not something that has happened overnight. You know that. I know that. Sam and his group obviously knows that. And so does the Calgary Flames hockey team know that so are we headed to divorce are we in counseling well here's the most disturbing part for me and this will get me in some trouble and i'm okay with it we have seen a tendency now and i get it agents advisors you know i have one too are in the business of doing the best that you can for your clients But when you throw that kind of, like, grenade into the game, I always think, think of the piece now Sam Bennett has to deal with. Think about that for a minute. So I truly believe this is is communication. Um, I get why we've arrived at this point in time, but... When you throw your client into the wolves like that, you're putting your own guy in a hard situation. And so the part of the communication, which should always get looked after between the two sides, but obviously Darren and and his group, 
you know, and Sam is represented. So when you go to that point and you make it public, now we've got problems. Now we've got fracture. And, and again, that's going to be up to Ferris and his group to deal with the hockey team. But I don't like when it gets to that point. I really absolutely don't like when it gets to that point. So, you know, again, the narrative, there's lots of narratives, but, you know, Jeff Ward, who preaches communication, who has truly, in fact, taught me things about how to look at communication and thinking about both sides and understanding things from both sides. He's really good at it. And here was Jeff's response about the Sam Bennett situation and at least potentially clearing up part of this story. As far as Sam and our team goes and Sam and the coaching staff goes, everybody's good. So he's a member of our team right now. He's a valued member of our team. Uh, you know, he comes in, he gives you what he has every night. And, you know, we're not, we're not building this up to be anything bigger than what it is. So, you know, right now he's a member of our team. Everything else uh, that, you know, is going to play out is between uh, Tree and, and uh, Darren Ferris, uh, you know, uh, Benny's agent. But, you know, from our team standpoint, from a coaching staff standpoint, we're happy he's here. Um, we know he's going to come and play hard. And, you know, that's where it's at. So there's nothing, there's nothing any different for us. Um, you know, I know some things have been said about, uh, you know, maybe, you know, he wasn't uh, happy where he was playing, this and that. I mean, at the beginning of the season, what a lot of people don't know is, you know, I basically gave Sam the choice of where he wanted to play. And he wanted to start at center, and we started him at center. And uh, he came in after a couple of games and said, look at it, you know, I think I may want to take the other option, which was playing on the wing. So we gave him a, we gave him a choice to play in two different positions at the start of the year. Um, so before anybody jumps all over that as, as to reasons as to why he may be unhappy, let's just quell that right now. So as far as uh, the coaching staff is concerned and as far as Sam is concerned and our team is concerned, it's business as usual. It's a game day. We're going to go about it that way. But, uh, you know, he's, he stands in good stead in our room, and, and he's earned that. So, Mr. Klein, the most mm -hmm. important part for me about that answer is the back part of that answer. So let me ask you, has that changed your feeling? Has it solidified things in your mind? Or has it made a dent at all? Hearing that um, kind of solidifies where I am at right now. Like I, I fully understand Sam Bennett's frustration and the, the desire for uh, a change of scenery. I also understand from the organization standpoint, this isn't exactly a normal year to be making trades in. And from the, the Flames perspective, you're going to want to get something back that's going to help you now for Sam Bennett. And if you're going to get that from one of the teams not playing north of the border, that player is going to have to wait two weeks before they're joining your team. So it is a very tricky situation to maneuver. And I kind of think that this is one that's going to be, Sam, we hear you. We understand you. 
Can you please, for lack of a better term, not Pierre-Luc Dubois out on the ice for the next 50 games? And we'll work on this in the offseason. Like that, that, that to me is kind of where I think this goes. And hearing Jeff Ward there, it, it sounds like this isn't going to be one that gets out of control, right? Like this isn't going to be one that, because like you said, these have the potential to fracture a locker room. But to me... Bennett is not the guy who's going to go out there and half-ass it on the ice. And Jeff Ward isn't going to be someone who holds this against Sam Bennett either. So I feel like this is one of those, like, we hear you, we definitely hear you, but we kind of just got to work through it right now. And at least that's where I am at on that. Where How, how do you see this? And how did that clip kind of affect your mindset? Well, here's how it affected my mindset. Is I think for all of us, we have ideas about, utilization and where we're best used. So what I heard from Jeff Ward was going into this season, we even heard it before the team gathered that their plan. And I know this about Jeff. I truly believe Jeff is very crystal clear about two things, asking for input and then communicating to allow his players and then put them in the best places they can possibly be. But what stuck with me was we gave Sam a choice of where he wanted to play. So remember opening night against Winnipeg, he played against the Jets as a center iceman. And then I heard Jeff say that a couple games in, Obviously, it wasn't going for him the way he wanted it to go. So then he wanted to be moved into a more prevalent situation with other players. And again, it's not for me to take sides. I don't want to do that because I know how the world works. It's, you know, you reach a bit of an impasse, but what the greatest people in my life have helped me understand that if it's not clear to you and how you define what it is in your own mind, doesn't that have to be clear first before you can be at your best? Yeah. Oh, totally. So listen, we can talk all day and we won't, but I think we can all understand how we've arrived here. It's not about taking sides necessarily. Um, but now the agent has thrown a hand grenade that puts his client in a difficult spot. So as much as anything, until that side is clear and communicates. And then when you're given what you want, now it's kind of on you to, to do the best with it. So that was the interesting part for me. And again, I thought Jeff made it pretty clear, you know, this, this isn't completely you know, a player isn't getting a chance to play where he wants. No, in fact, I just heard from Jeff that he is. So where do you go with that? And the camp has obviously said 
they don't feel he's being used the right way. So, so, so they're in counseling. We'll see if it gets the divorce. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um... It was quite the report to see on Saturday, and one admittedly like not overly stunned by, just given how things have played out here over the years. But uh, was interesting to to actually see it, and not on a small platform either. Uh, national television, Hockey Night in Canada, no. tends to, tends to get a couple eyeballs on it. So we'll we'll see how this situation plays out. Um, chatting with Peter Labardius, our Flames insider, I do want to get to a, a couple of other things here before we let you go today. Dylan Dubé back in the lineup, um, certainly again drawing some headlines with a hit on. Uh, Niemi, but uh, overall, well, what did you make of the, the night for Dylan Dubé, and did you have a problem with the, the hit behind the net? Well, again, let's start with the easy question first. I, I thought he added great speed, good energy, obviously physicality, um, you know, missing three games and missing a lot of practice time with the team. I, I thought he was a big part of the solution in regards to winning the hockey game. And and I just, you know what I think of this young player, and, and I'll keep talking about it. I think there's a lot of room for growth, but I think he has a chance to be like a massive piece of this team as time goes along. As far as the hit, um, you know, did it finish up high? Sure it did. Absolutely. Was it an odd play where, you know, Matthew Kachuk in the forecheck forces Kotkaniemi back, you know, and, and Dylan's coming in pursuit of him? Um, again, I, I, not to walk the line, but, but I get both sides. I, and, and the rule obviously talks about, you know, if the head isn't the first place of contact, then – Technically, isn't it hard to take it in a different place? So here's Dylan, more importantly than my thoughts, on how he felt about the situation. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I think for my game, I, you know, especially coming back in the lineup, um, you know, I play a, I play a physical game. I play hard. I think, you know, I've, you know, a grind game with, you know, Lindy and them until you can get the puck. Like, that's just part of my game, but. You know, for me, I think, um, you know, I was going, I wasn't going too fast. I didn't want to hurt anyone. He, you know, it came and, you know, right when I hit him, I I knew he wasn't in a very good position. And, and you know, I wanted to, to let up as much as I could. And I was happy as all right. It was good to see him back out there. But, you know, my intent out there is to, to never get someone in a bad position. And, you know, yeah, it's just happy to see him back. He's a he's a huge part for their team. So it's uh, it was good to see him back in the third. So good explanation there from uh, for, from Dylan Dubé. And, and certainly, like, one of the, the, the view that's right behind Kakiniemi makes it look really rough just with the way his head whips mm -hmm. back. But uh, no hearing, no suspension. Um, kind of just move on, I guess, from the from the, the Dylan Dubé camp. But I, I thought a, a well-put response there from Dubé. Uh, again, you know, smart. Um, he obviously understands that, you know, that was right on the borderline for certain fans, even listening right now. It clearly crossed the line, and, and I do. I, I understand it from both sides. And, you know, Dylan, a big piece of Dylan's game is 
kind of playing on the edge and playing with passion and being physical. And, and when you play that way, you know, you're going to be on the right side. And, and there might be a time down the road now because someone will be taking inventory. And, and the next time this comes up, frankly, he may not get the benefit depending on how it goes. So yeah. I, I, I know there was not intent there. Um, you could tell in, in the somewhat remorse in his answer. So we move on. And Bennett and Dubé and no changes for the Calgary Flames tonight in Winnipeg in their first of three against the Jets. Uh, and lastly, because, uh, again, very noteworthy weekend, we should talk about the game tonight. Uh, you mentioned no changes for the Flames. Uh, almost the exact opposite for Winnipeg. Uh, quite a few changes being made after a loss on Saturday against Vancouver. Well, what are you expecting from the opposition tonight? Well, you know, the Jets are scuffling a little bit, Peter. They're 5-3. and three. They've had some terrific performances. You look at the starts that Adam Lowry and Ehlers and, and Kopp and, and certain individuals are having are great. Um, I think right now is Mark Streifley's 200-foot game. And in order, you know, hope to balance and there is no Shifley together. Somewhat Andrew Mangiapane like Andrew Kopp, who's playing the best hockey of his career and is a great worker and very responsible, you know, finds himself with Ehlers and Shifley tonight. Um, Stastny, Connor, and Wheeler, Lowry, Perot, and Appleton, and then Veseline and Harkins and Lewis. But, you know, at the top of the ledger to me, is the most significant thing with their IE top six and to move cop away from Lowry. And they've been such a terrific duo with Appleton this year tells me that, you know, Paul Maurice is going right now. I, I need something different and, and I need to get some, in fact, key people going in a bit of a different direction. And so that's the moves that I find the most significant. And in closing on the Jets, they've had a funny year. You know, they've been able with, you know, three lines in particular of guys who can really hurt you when they're at the top of their game. Haven't we seen a lot of big third periods from them on their way to wins? Mm-hmm. You know what we and, – and it's a great place to wrap it up, Peter, I think, because um, like Jacob Markstrom for the Flames, it's great when you have that card in your hand, but it's probably not long-term success in how you want to establish your game. It, it's, it's a great tool to have to rely on, but it can't be your number one piece of foundation. Yeah. We've seen that here a time or two as well. Uh, Lou, thank you very much for this. Um, like We covered a lot of ground today, and uh, I'm sure tomorrow we'll have uh, quite a few things to discuss after another Flames game day. Thank you, Mr. Klein. Have a great afternoon. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
Yeah, a lot to get to with Lou today. So some good stuff there. As you heard, he is back on Hockey Central at noon, which means the mailbag is back. Send in your questions, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tune in Fridays at noon to see if yours was answered. If it is, you get a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. The winners will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. Brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, Calgary's best steakhouse located in the heart of downtown. Looking forward to celebrating with you again soon. Go Flames, go. We can Continue the Flames conversation. A bit of a lineup juggle going into Saturday. How did it look? We'll talk about that next with Ryan Pike. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Getting you ready for Flames Jets tonight. Warm-up is at 5. Puck drop is at 6. All of it is here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan Hockey Central continuing today. Peter Klein with you. Logan Gordon uh, is working his ass off right now as uh, our producer, as he does on all Flames game days. Not that he doesn't work hard the other times. You know what I mean. Uh, anyway, the, the Flames with a bounce-back win on Saturday night. Here to help us break that down and get ready for tonight's game from FlamesNation.ca a little earlier than normal on a Monday. It is Ryan Pike. Uh, Mr. Pike, how are you today, sir? Well, I'm excellent, man. I mean, you know, we what three three games this week, and then Saturday night's the Battle of Alberta. It should it should be a fun week. Yeah, well, we're finally getting into the the teeth of this, and I, I felt like we were missing out a little bit having that five day break from the Flames. Everyone talking about, oh my gosh, there's just so much hockey. How can we compete? And it's like, yeah, those practice videos were wild so it's nice that we're, we're finally in the heart of this thing and wouldn't you know it the flames are giving us a lot to talk about to start the week we'll go back to saturday i thought a much improved performance from the previous game well what did you see saturday night from the calgary flames i mean they they were better but you know they were still a little bit leaky in uh defensively especially in that second period they got a chance fairly significantly by uh by the habs but like let's let's be completely honest toronto and montreal are two of the most potent offensive teams in the league. And, you know, they played, you know, pretty much evenly against Toronto and just had some bad bounces in two games. And against Montreal, they had one game where they did not play particularly well and they got uh, sort of caved in a bit. And they had one game where they played a lot better and they got some goaltending help and it gave them a chance to steal some points. So, you know, if you're the Flames, if you play more or less the way you played against Montreal and maybe find a little bit more consistency in that second period and avoid that slump, you're probably going to be, you know, taking home points more often than not. Looking at a couple of the changes that were made, um, where Andrew Mangiapane played was kind of a not hot button issue, but we talked about it here uh, over the, the few days getting ready for that game, especially with Dylan Dubé coming back. Eventually, he settles in on a line with Gaudreau and Monaghan. How do you think that trio handled things against Montreal? I thought they were decent. I mean, I, I think the challenge is, you know, Manjipani, he's a great forechecker, but the physicality isn't quite there the way it would be with, say, someone like Dylan Dubé or, or Dominic Simone in that role. Even someone like Josh Levo, who has, has had a, a cup of coffee with uh, with Goudreau and Monaghan this season, looked pretty good. So I, I think we'll probably still see a bit of a, uh, a mixing and matching and trying things out on, on that line because – you know, right now the Flames have one line that's really cooking with uh, Lindholm and Kachuk and Dylan Dubé, and then the rest of their lines are just sort of a, a work in progress. And I think they're just trying to find out what they can do that works and then, you know, see it filter down. I mean, the fourth line is nothing to write home about, but I think they're really concerned about getting as much as they can out of Monaghan's line and, and Backlund's line before they really lose too much sleep over the fourth line yet. 
Yeah, and obviously the, the lineup looks a little bit better with Dylan Dubé coming back into the lineup. Uh, before we talk about how, how he played, obviously the, the highlight of his game, um, a, a low light for some, as he hits uh, Kuk and Yemi pretty high. A lot of discussion about this, uh, none of it happening with the league, as there was no hearing for Dylan Dubé. Uh, what did you make of the hit, and were, were you surprised that he didn't at least have to have a bit of a chat with uh, NHL player safety? Well, you know, it, it definitely wasn't predatory. It wasn't the kind of thing where, you know, he was headhunting or, or you know, uh, you know, crushing a guy in the corner or crunching in the numbers. But it, it, is, it was, at the very least, a little bit high. Anytime, you know, you, you hit a guy, I mean, looking at the slow motion, the principal point of contact was, was his elbow to the, the shoulder, you know, the middle of the chest. And then based on the way that the, the human body is structured, when you get hit, in like, you know, the midsection, you double over and, you know, move your head forward a bit. And then, you know, his head sort of smooshed up against uh, Dylan Tuve's shoulder. So it was definitely not a pleasant experience for uh, just Barry Yemi, but I, it wasn't predatory. You can't really argue there was a lot of ill intent there. He was just a guy trying to finish a check. And I think he was a bit surprised that Kutkanyemi was uh, turning around right into the contact. So it was at most a little bit reckless and probably something that, you know, if not the league, maybe some of the coaches will talk to him about going, Hey dude, like if you see a guy sort of in that situation, maybe pull up a little bit so you don't crush him like that. But, you know, thankfully nobody was hurt. Uh, you know, Coach Cutting let the game a little bit uh, for, I believe it was a concussion protocol and he came back and finished the game. He had a bloody nose and probably a bit of uh, ill will towards Dylan Dubé, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, no harm, no foul, but it could have been a lot worse. As for the rest of Dylan Dubé's game, he checks right back in with Kachuk and Lindholm. And to your point from earlier, didn't really seem like they missed uh, missed much of a beat. Yeah, you know, and and I think the 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 cool thing is, you know, Dubé was sort of able to watch the games and sort of get a sense of how things were going. And you know, he's such a smart player that when he did get a chance to jump in, it really isn't that surprising that he's able to sort of play that well because you know his playing style really meshes well with sort of the the up tempo four check style of Kachuk and Lindholm. So I think those three, you know, it's it's you don't usually see guys who are that young like Dubé really click at a high level this early, but, you know, dating back to his time in junior, he's always been sort of lauded for his hockey sense and his ability to play with really good players. And he's showing that at this level. So we'll see if he can, if he can translate that to a bit more offense. Cause I think, you know, the, the flames, uh, you know, they, they didn't have a whole lot going on offensively against Montreal, but you know, with three games against the jets, it gives them a good opportunity to really get some traction in the North division. Yeah, it's a Jets team that, again, got off to a better start than I was expecting, to be perfectly honest, and a bit of a setback against the Canucks. Looks like they're changing things up a little bit. What are you expecting to see from Winnipeg tonight? The thing that I, I've come to appreciate about the Jets the last few years is, you know, they've always been losing. They've been losing players to injury. They've been losing players to trades. They've been losing players to weird contractual situations. But you know, Paul Maurice just keeps finding ways to keep his team moving forward. And you're always going to get a really hard 60-minute game against the Jets because they're such a consistent, balanced team that even though their lineup has some holes, they play a strong enough team game that they can really paper them up. So. Uh, you know, the, you know, Connor Hellebuck's going to be a really tough guy to solve. I think the Flames are going to have to 
keep doing what they did in the first game uh, back on January 15th and sort of put some human bodies in front of him and sort of take away his eyes a bit because if he can see it, he can stop it. But uh, for the most part, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of adjustments the Flames make from the first game they play against them because I think, you know, they, they were caught a bit off guard by how balanced the Jets are, you know, even even missing Patrick Laine and you know Pierre Luc Dubois won't be able to play because he's still going through the uh, I believe the, the quarantine protocol because he crossed the border. So they're missing you know a pretty big top six piece, but they have a ton of young bodies who are just really cracking to to get in the lineup and make uh, make an impression. So uh, you know it'll be an interesting three games because I think we're going to see both teams really mix and match their lineups to sort of make adjustments to the previous game. Yeah, it's going to be I'm looking forward to this one for sure in these next three games, as you mentioned uh, on the, the line a note, it, it does kind of show how difficult it is to make trades in, in this current climate we are in, which brings us to Sam Bennett as uh, reports come out that Sam Bennett is looking for a change of scenery uh, that is coming out on, on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday. Um, are you surprised at all by, by what we're hearing from from Sam Bennett's camp and I guess just your reaction to this news? I wouldn't say I was surprised, um, you know, dating back to basically his entry level years, you know, Dylan or uh, Sam Bennett's a guy who he was a top, top, top tier player in junior. And, you know, he wants to be an impact player in the NHL. And unfortunately, you know, there's only a certain number of spots uh, to go. And, you know, if, if you're him, you know, he, you know, he, let's be honest, he's been, through the ringer at times with the organization, he came in and he was infamously 18 year old Sam Bennett and played, you know, a lot of really good hockey in that 2015 playoff run on the wing. And then the next season they asked him, Hey, Sam, do you want to maybe start learning center? So he moved from an area where he found a really good niche is a sort of a, a physical center, sort of like uh, along the lines of Matthew Kachuk. And they said, Hey, you want to be a center? He went, okay, cool. Be a center. And he learned to play center. He wasn't great at it, but he was, he was pretty decent. Uh, and then, they made some trades. He didn't. There weren't enough center spots to go around, so he got sort of flopped over the wing. And you could make a case looking at sort of how the Flames have handled similar young players. You know, Sean Monahan when he came in, he had a really well-defined role right away, and it hasn't really changed. He, he's gotten more ice time, but his role hasn't really changed all that much. Same with Matthew Kachuk. You know, Matthew Kachuk was sort of asked to be you know, a reliable two-way center, or two-way winger with uh, Michael Backman on his flank. And then he, his responsibilities have gradually evolved, but they never really asked him to sort of change what he was doing. And you can make the same case for Dylan Dubé, where Dylan Dubé is playing very similarly to what he was asked to do on the fourth line and the third line last year. And the same thing for Andrew Majipani. And, you know, and then you look at Sam Bennett and you can make an argument that I think the Flames have learned a lot of lessons about player development from how Sam Bennett was handled because he was easily like the first really tippity top level prospect that they got their hands on after Bradley Living came in. But on the other hand, if you sort of look at the way he's been used and his role has sort of evolved and changed and then changed back, you can kind of see why, why he might be looking for, for different opportunities. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be very challenging. I think for the flames to make a trade in season because, you know, they're not exactly trading from a position of strength. Uh, not a lot of teams have the, the cap space to take in $2.55 million dollars. Uh, and the Flames don't really have the cap space to really take in any money back from anybody else. So it, it'll probably end up being, if a trade gets done in season, sort of money for money kind of thing, sort of 2.5-ish for 2.5-ish. So it sort of really structures, you know, and sort of hems them in in terms of what the potential trade market would be because there's only a certain number of players making that kind of money that teams want to move. 
So we'll, we'll see what happens, and we'll see uh, how he's used going forward. But it's definitely a, a really uh, perplexing and interesting situation to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I think it just with how difficult it is to to trade with teams on the other side of the border right now, I, I, I'm kind of of the belief, again, with no insider information, that this is something that gets kind of figured out in the offseason because, like you said, they're going to want something not substantial, but they're going to want something that helps at least now probably in return. And that player is going to have to wait a while to, to come into the, the country. So I, I think the year that we are in just kind of complicates things even more. Yeah, and you know, if you if you look historically, I mean, Sven Berchi asked for a uh, asked for a trade uh, when he was traded years and years ago, and the Flames were able to make something happen. But the cap situation is a little bit different with that. And then there's also the added X factor of the expansion draft, where if you look at uh, most prognostications, Sam Bennett probably won't be protected even before this. He was just the easiest guy for the Flames to to expose. You know, you're not going to expose Dylan Dubé. You're not going to expose expose Andre Mangiapane. Uh, you probably would like to avoid exposing uh, an important leadership player like Michael Backlund if you can avoid it. Uh, so there's not a lot of spots left. And, you know, for, for Bennett, being a guy who sort of has a lot of promise but hasn't really, you know, ex- emerged as, a, as an impact player consistently the way they thought he would, you know, it's maybe if you're Seattle, you go, hmm, well, you know, clean slate, give him a chance to come in and do that. So th- I, I, if – in, a, in most seasons, I would expect this to be handled fairly fairly quickly, but between the, the lack of cap space and the, the Seattle X factor, I, I could see this dragging on for a little while. Ryan, awesome stuff as always, man. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll chat next week. Take care, buddy. You too. There is uh, Ryan Pike from flamesnation.ca joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for takeout and delivery. When you're tired of cooking, call 403-248-3344. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. A wild one in the Canadian division last night. We'll take a, a closer look at it coming up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. the Flames and the Jets tonight here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Peter Klein wrapping up Hockey Central at noon with you guys today. Logan Gordon is our outstanding producer uh, and he is doing all of that producing from the Iconic Studio powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Maintenance, it's Iconic. Visit IconicEC.ca to find out more. Uh, A lot of the focus obviously this hour on the Flames and the Jets and the Flames and the Habs to a certain extent as well. Do want to go back to the night ago. Edmonton taking on the Ottawa Senators. Uh, the Oilers get six assists from Leon Dreisaitl, a bunch of points from Connor McDavid, and beat the Ottawa Senators 8-5. to five. I'm so off on Ottawa. I, again, I, I don't want to frame this as I thought they were going to be a playoff team because I still thought uh, of the top seven, or of the seven teams in this division, they weren't in the top six. I, I thought that was pretty clear. But I thought they would at least give teams a bit of a run for their money. And all the run that they're doing right now is running up other teams' stats. Like, it, it has been just abysmal for Ottawa. And I, I think that they really need to look at that Matt Murray contract as a problem. Because that thing already looks like a problem. And I understand he's not getting the the most defensive support in front of him, but you bring him in with the understanding that the team's going to be a little bit rocky in front of him, and he 
He needs not to the level of a Jacob Markstrom here in Calgary, but he needs to be the one to keep them in games. So your young players, your Kachucks, your Stutzlas, your Shabbats aren't playing in meaningful games by the time the clock strikes March, uh, I guess calendar. But still, it, it is it has to be concerning for Ottawa. And I understand that, again, no expectations on this team. None. Zero whatsoever. But we at least thought they were going to put up more of a fight. And there has been a no fight from this team at any point really this season, aside from that opener against Toronto. And this is one of the things we've talked about in the one o'clock hour quite a bit, myself and Logan is not developing that losing culture. And I I think the Ottawa senators were doing everything they could to not develop that losing culture. But now so far this season, it is staring them right in the face. And from the Edmonton standpoint, Oh boy. Um, We know that those two guys can put up points. That is very clear and obvious at this point, but this team cannot defend a lick. And I think that is going to be a problem getting them to where they want to get to. And I, I, I had thought coming in, not that Tyson Berry is a stabilizing force on that blue line, but I thought, A, they had done enough at the forward position to add some depth to take some of the pressure off of their big guys. And maybe spread things out a little bit. And then also maybe a little bit of help offensively helps out your blue line. And so far that has not been the case. I, I have not liked anything from what I've seen from Edmonton defensively. We'll see how the goalie situation ends up working itself out. Apparently Mike Smith back working with the team today, or at least around the team today. So his return might be sooner rather than later. But again, I don't know if that is the stabilizing force that you want between your pipes. So it's it's a tricky situation for the Oilers. I had them finishing second in the North Division. I, I really liked their offseason, but you're seeing now the same old problems with the Oilers, and that can't be something that the organization is thrilled about. Um, if you miss anything from the Calgary Flames throughout the week, make sure you catch our Flames Roundup highlights twice a week, hosted by Pat Steinberg, because he doesn't do nearly enough. Look for it online twitter facebook and at sportsnet.ca slash 960 uh, and it's brought to you by Brightside by atb a new banking app to help you spend and save for what you love that is going to do it for hockey central at noon but not for the hockey talk kicking off the big show with myself and will nolt Corey sarich what did he see from saturday against montreal and what is he expecting as the flames take on the jets tonight right here on sportsnet 960 the fan